On this episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast, the final episode of the year 2020, even if this comes out in March, oh well, we have the one and only Nehal Kazim, the founder over at AdPros. These guys manage 1.5 million a month and really focus on direct-to-consumer products and brands. Now we dive into creative testing, branded content ad, influencers, LTV and AOV. Now, this was just super insightful, full agency, e-com style. We dive into metric strategies, you know, offers, shoot retargeting. Now, if you're into that kind of stuff, buckle up, tune in, find a place to relax, and you know, you're gonna enjoy this one. Yeah, so for us, we have our way of like how we test creatives and then how we scale them in that same account and as well as in additional accounts. So something differently that we do is for a lot of our clients, we actually have like four to seven ad accounts per client. And the reason we do that, and you'll see that most agencies or most brands don't do this. The reason we're doing it is because we're optimizing for delivery. We're optimizing for stability because what happens is if you have one or two main accounts that are working and everything is fine, we've seen even if we have four or seven accounts, uh, one or two might go down, but the others still run, even though it's the same Facebook page, same pixel, same ads, same everything. So from a, just from a you know risk mitigation, like we want that. And so uh, four to seven accounts uh, per client. And what we do is our normally our ad set budgets, where is where we start with AVO, uh, ad set budget campaigns. And what we're doing is uh, doing 1x CPA. So if you want to spend $50 or you're on your ad account right now, it's $50 CPA cost per acquisition. Uh, we set the budget at $50 and that's a great way for us to test. And so when we're doing branded content campaigns, basically we have this one creative that the influencers publish, but then we use that over and over again on a series of audiences, small bets to find winners, and then we scale from it. Listening to the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast, where we break down the financial principles that rich advertisers are deploying today to turn advertising into profit and get tons of traffic to their websites without killing their cash. These advertisers, agencies, affiliates, brands are responsible for managing over a billion dollars a year in ad spend. You'll hear about what's working for them today, their rich ads, and we'll roast their epic failures and crappy ads on the internet with poor ads. Let's get into it. All right, everybody, we're back in business with a final podcast of the year. I'm amped for this one. Good way to conclude 2020 with such a crazy year. But we have an absolute rock star in the game today. Of course, you got your host, me, Dylan Carpenter in the house. But we have the one and only Nehal Kazim. He's over at AdPros. These guys manage $1.5 a month and focus on direct-to-consumer businesses. And they want to scale all their accounts to $1 a month. Now, with who they're working with right now, they are heavy hitters and doing wonders in the D2C realm. So this one's going to be super juicy. So Nehal, what's up, dude? What's up, man? How are you doing? Good. Just, you know, dealing with some thunderstorms here in Austin. <laughs> Apparently, it's going to snow tomorrow. It's 70 degrees right now, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, man, give everybody an idea of kind of who you are, what you're getting into these days, so they have some context. Yeah, I'm the founder of AdPros. We have a Facebook ads agency, growth agency. I live out of uh, Medellin, Colombia. So I'm here. The team is, uh, you know, in five different uh, countries. And um, we primarily market to the U.S. audience, but uh, we work primarily with direct-to-consumer uh, products. And our main focus is how do we build companies to a million a month in revenue uh, profitably. 
Heck yeah. And how long have you been doing this? Uh, I started doing Facebook ads maybe like seven, eight years ago. Oh man. So you're one of the original part of founders of the gold rush, man. Like, yeah, uh, before it was sexy. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick. So you mentioned five consonants. How big is y'all's team currently? Uh, we have about 20 people. So eight on the agency side and the rest on the creative side. And I, when it comes to 2020, did, was that a pretty good year for growth for y'all? Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. And um, mostly because a lot of people like kind of freaked out and chilled and uh, wanted to let COVID, you know, relax and slow down. And uh, as soon as March 15th or so happened, we went very aggressive. And we saw that as an opportunity while people were kind of slowing budgets down and waiting. Uh, we were pushing. So did y'all see some Black Friday numbers during those times? Not right away. We saw blood on the streets. It was fucking, it was chaos. <laughs> it was, it was really bad initially. Um, but, um, you know, everyone saw the in eventual uh, pop in like May and June. But what we were able to do is save companies and uh, really save revenue and profitability while everyone was freaking out. So that was like the real main thing. And um, you could see who's in it and who's on it versus who, who's ready to check out or just waiting. So. Oh, yeah. And I mean, if any media buyer or, you know, agencies, like we know it's going to happen this year, complete BS. I mean, everybody yeah. was kind of adapting and rolling with the punches there, but it was it was interesting for sure. Yeah. Now, did y'all um, add on the creative side of things this year or has that been around for a bit? No, we did that this year. And uh, I was trying to figure out what is like a big move for us um, internally, as well as like client facing and public facing. And uh, we decided to do that. And um, we were we had a small team in house. But the major thing that worked for us over and over again was the creatives. And so we built that out and we have about uh, eight people on that side as well. And um, yeah, so that, that's all this year. Man, how many creatives do y'all burn and churn for y'all's you know, in-house in accounts? Uh, client? We, we do like 10 to 20 unique concepts per month, depending on the volume of their, their spending. On the very low end, maybe like four. Uh, and each one of those have like four variations. So on the low end, I guess that would be like 16. On the higher end, like 50, 60 per month. Yeah. Well, hey, it's what moves the needle. So you can always be testing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's a huge factor in terms of just maintaining CPMs as well as just like, you know, supporting the Facebook algorithm because people have ads that work for months and months. We don't believe in that. We don't believe in post IDs either. Like it can work, but for most of our clients, we do dynamic creatives and um, mm -hmm. it has zero social proof. So, you know, people still believe that you need social proof to make Facebook ads work. And that is not the truth. Um, dynamic creatives have literally zero likes, zero comments, zero views every single time you launch a new creative. Uh, and so that works for us. Um, I'm a big dynamic creative guy here. Now, yeah. this is going to be off topic, of course, but how are you optimizing that these days? I'm just straight up duplicating, finding the poor performing you know, variables, removing those and launching those bad boys. Kind of sameish or different? I wish we had the better data and better ways to make those decisions. Uh, I'm sure you've tried looking at those, you know, the, the stuff that works, pulling it out and make doing that and doing the logic, logical common sense thing. And that doesn't really work. Um, so we basically have to keep feeding the algorithm and like eventually we find good ads. And the way that we do it, we do it with marginal and radical tests. So for us, marginal means like changing colors, changing headlines, doing some sort of variation. And then radical for us means like more bigger, different concepts or completely different types of creatives, because most people do the same type of creatives over and over again. 
Oof, man, yeah. And yeah, the creative, there are crazy, so many ad hacks, bids out there, but creative is what scales, you know? So, I mean, I, I love that concept. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for a lot of people, like there's so much emphasis on the uh, technical side of Facebook advertising. I think that's really important. Once you're actually mastering that and you've exhausted, you know, five, six, eight different types of setups that you can do in your account, then you're like, all right, now what do I do? Because whatever I'm doing in the account isn't working anymore. You have to pull a different lever. And so we have scaling levers and profit levers in our business, in our clients' businesses to like actually attack those goals. Man, hell yeah. So going to the podcast here, we love to dive into what's working good for you right now. So what's your rich out out here these days? Yeah, so from an ad standpoint, the one of the biggest breakthroughs we've had recently has been uh, branded content ads. And one of our clients has, uh, they are crazy about influencer marketing, and uh, they have an incredible, robust system that the way that they're doing it. And, um, you know, just doing branded content BCA ads with their existing influencers uh, has been huge. Once for, for us, we've tried different types of ads, of course, that aren't uh, BCA and that works fine for them, but with branded content for whatever reason, for a series of reasons, um, that's the thing that's actually making the biggest difference for us. And in June and July, that was such a massive deal for them because of the way branded content was getting served as well as, you know, COVID times and everything's popping, but it stopped working. And so right now, um, BCA is one of those things that is working phenomenal for us. Now, with the branded content, is that where you flip it at the actual ad level? This brand isn't partnered with this brand, or right. is it more part of, okay? Yeah. Man. So, yeah, I've always wondered how that works. Yeah. I, yeah. I, maybe it's not too much I've done it, to be honest. So, But yeah, I'd love to learn more on that. Yeah, so these guys work with a 1,000 influencers a month. So they have a system to, like, super manual uh, and a lot of effort to actually make that happen. We're just on the ad side, so they have a dedicated team for that. We get... Uh, specific type of assets that are eventually allowed to be uh, used for branded content. And <clears throat> on top of that, we're able to get, in some cases, deeper level of access to their Facebook pages and uh, create lookalike audiences and market to their audiences directly beyond the initial posts as well. And how much do y'all usually put behind the branded content? You know, if you're spending, you know, 100K a month, hypothetically, what kind of percent or ratio do y'all kind of stick behind that to play it safe? Yeah. So for us, we have our way of like how we test creatives and then how we scale them in that same account and as well as in additional accounts. So something differently that we do is for a lot of our clients, we actually have like four to seven ad accounts per client. And the reason we do that, and you'll see that most agencies or most brands don't do this. The reason we're doing that is because we're optimizing for delivery. We're optimizing for stability because what happens is if you have one or two main accounts that are working and everything is fine, we've seen even if we have four or seven accounts, uh, one or two might go down, but the others still run, even though it's the same Facebook page, same pixel, same ads, same everything. So from a, just from a you know risk mitigation, like we want that. And so uh, four to seven accounts uh, per client. And what we do is our normally our ad set budgets, where is where we start with ABO, uh, ad set budget campaigns. And what we're doing is, uh, doing one X CPA. So if you want to spend $50 or you're on your ad account right now, is $50 CPA cost per acquisition. Uh, we set the budget at $50 and that's a great way for us to test. And so when we're doing branded content campaigns, basically we have this one creative that the influencers publish 
but then we use that over and over again on a series of audiences, small bets to find winners, and then we scale from there. Mm. With these four to seven ad accounts, is it the same pixel being shared across all of them? Yep. Yep. Damn. And one of the myths is that people believe that it takes a very long time to actually set up uh, and warm up additional ad accounts, but our warm up time, if you will, uh, is like two days or faster, or like sometimes it even starts off great. Um, that used to take a long time, but now that doesn't really affect uh, you know the warm up period at all. Uh, it just works, and so. Uh, for us, the reason we have that is we have something called cruise control campaigns where we have more of set and forget stand, uh, stacks. And so we find a specific ad account like setup that we like in campaign structure, set up $1,000 a day and let that run. And it's almost always just like relatively stable. Even if there are fluctuations, we know that that account, we don't want to touch it. We don't want to influence its you know, uh, delivery. And most of the actual activity happens in like a main testing and scaling account. Man, so I usually have control campaigns, but you have straight control ad accounts, it seems like. Yeah, because what happens is when you're running ABO and CBO in the same campaign, so people who are listening, if there's the budgets are set at the ad set level or the campaign level, if you have those sometimes in the same account, they uh, actually compete against each other and you'll see flip-flopping. So you'll see ABO work really well for a week and then you go to the next week and CBOs are working and all the ABOs stop working and that flip-flop keeps happening. Happening, And so for us, what we noticed is that if we pull them out and if we had them in separate accounts, it works a lot better and, and, and that instability doesn't happen as much or at all. And so uh, when we're doing manual bidding, we try to do them in separate accounts instead of the same accounts that are doing automated bidding. Man, so are you media buying and the founder as well? Are, are you still doing the most media buying? or yeah, no. is, are you, I'm on you, the strategic side now, um, but we have two media buyers on the team. We have an account manager. We have a couple of support staff, but uh, my responsibility is problem solving and you know support on strategy and systems and processes and all of that. Shit, your background on ads is helping a ton because, man, I'm loving this. <laughs> yeah, because I, I had to get really nerdy. And this is this is the thing. It's like for people who are listening, if you're the founder or you're not the media buyer, you have to figure out how to speak with them. Because even if you don't know every single nuance, like the media buyers on, on our team now like should know more about the you know minute details way better than I should. But right now, still, you know, my goal is how do I challenge their existing way of thinking and then change how we're making decisions as a team and then figure out opportunities that they might not see and vice versa. So, and it's always good to have multiple perspectives as well. Cause I mean, you know, it's tough teaching an old dog, new tricks, but man, when you have that open-minded aspect to it, there's so much out there to really build on. Yeah. The underlying thing that really gets us going and motivates us is we want to break records on record. So months on months and quarters on quarters. And so that mindset of like actually doing that, whether we actually break through or not, the focus is we want to do better than last month, whether it's a revenue goal, ad spend to revenue goal, or profitability goal, total margin collected, whatever the business is optimizing for, what we're usually, the types of businesses we're working with, they want aggressive scale and they want it month on month. And so, um, you know, if they are doing 500,000 a month in revenue and they go down, like it's, our focus is what are the numbers that we're actually working through and how do we break through? But I think the main issue that I see in a lot of people who are having success is they slow down or they think they're too successful or this is too much or this is way too much scale or uh, something's going to break. And so they slow down. Oh, man, the amount of nuggets in here, dude. I'm getting some <laughs> notes.
This episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's ad card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend. And if you're an ad agency that manages seven or even eight figures a year in media and ad spend for your clients, and you're looking to double your profits over the next six to 12 months, then check out AdCard. See, the typical agency model is this. You charge 10% of your spend, and you make 10 to 20% margin at the end of the day. So that's really one to 2% of your client's spend that is profit in your business. The easiest way to double that is to really find a way to earn in that one to 2% cash back of the card that is on file of your client's ad account. And before AdCard, what you had to do was invoice all your clients for their ad spend up front, which is really difficult on a cash flow basis and very difficult ask. And then you had to put the card on your own Amex or whatever card of choice to get that level of value back into your business. With AdCard, it's entirely different and streamlined. You simply get your clients on AdCard and make yourself the agency of record and you'll get the cash back as long as you're managing the ad spend. It's a great way to double your profit without doing any additional work. Check it out at FunnelDash.com. So branded content ads is of course the rich ad on this episode. Now we'd love to kind of dive into those not so pretty scenarios. You know, yeah. you know, testing is a ton of what we do. Not all tests, you know, work. I think maybe 20% if that maybe do. So yeah. I mean, something you thought would absolutely kill or crush it that just kind of bombed yeah i mean how much time do you have um so for, <laughs> Let me get us, <laughs> for us like the way that we look at it from an actual performance standpoint we look at success ratios and campaigns and at the ad set level and so if we're launching new campaigns and new ad sets we want to be at at least 50 percent. if we're at 70 percent, like that's incredible but you know usually if things aren't really going that well it's like 30 40 percent of our tests are successful but when it comes to more of the creative side uh we one of the i guess like the biggest bigger failures was that we have this one product in the in the pet niche in the dog niche and for them uh there's all this positivity that most of the ads have so it really doesn't say much it just has their main call to action their unique selling proposition and then it's like fill out this form here to get started. And that's basically it. What we wanted to do is we wanted to use this angle of like the laws are changing. And so laws are always changing. That doesn't actually mean anything. Um, and so the laws are changing, sign up before time runs out. But like, when does time run out? Like everything is ambiguous, you know? Um, but at the same point, at the same time, this audience and this specific product, it's very sensitive. And uh, they want to protect their dog and they want to take care of their dog. And there's a fine line between like managing excitement and importance and protection versus fear mongering and kind of like pushing the wrong button. And so where we, what we changed or what we launched was laws are changing. And I thought it was going to be a home run. We found it, we found all these different types of images of like literally puppy dog eyes and like, you know, sadness and not, not too sad because you can actually go above, you know, too, too far and people get pissed and the comments reflect it. But um, th there's a kind of like a finesse of finding dogs that are cute, but not too cute that it's positive and then finding who are them sad who are sad but not too sad that they're depressed and so it's just like how do you how do you find that and so we found like eight or ten of those images and we use the same call to action with and without text and um it worked for like a, a brief moment but it wasn't a home run and it wasn't consistent and then it completely bombed and we went back to 
the happy, lovey, dovey ads that have a generic messaging to them. And so uh, I was super excited about it, but it flopped. It's the way she goes, man. How much do y'all kind of put behind it before you realize this is just not working? So it depends on the um, on, on the actual account. So for that specific account, we're spending about 20000 to 25000 per day. And so for that one, we have a lot more budget to test. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly how much we spent around that, but uh, for, for that specific test, maybe around ten to 15000 Man, and the funniest part is you haven't even mentioned a brand, but I feel like I know exactly what product this is. <laughs> Could be. Is it, night, is it a nighttime product? No, it isn't. Okay, I was like, man, is it, is it something that glows around? You know, but yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, man. I, I was doing some ads for a dog shelter down here, and they only had you know five hundred bucks to spend a month because it's a nonprofit. Right. And what I found is just ads of pit bulls. Even those people were just commenting all the engagement, whether it's negative or positive. That was just like, hey, you know, we only have one dog. It's working. Let's keep it going, just because it was so right. controversial. That's Absolutely. interesting, though. Man, so so you kind of pushed the buttons a little too far for that fear mongering, essentially. Yeah. I think so. I think so. I think if, if I were to try it again, um, it would be like laws are changing and still use happy photos. We didn't actually try that. Um, so that's something to consider. But it, it, there's a disconnect. Like, I, I don't think that's actually like makes sense or is sexy. So but I've been wrong many times. Man, and how I was about to say, I was like, we get so many good ideas. Like, this is going to freaking kill it. And then all of a sudden, yeah. like, not killing it. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Oh, man. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick 180. You know, of course, the name of the podcast, we'd love to kind of find the crossroads of marketing and the financial side of things. So based off your expertise, you know, your experience here, what kind of, you know, financial principle or tip could you kind of share with the audience, whether it's personal or business related? Yeah, I think for especially we're involved on the direct to consumer side, a lot of business and then profit actually comes from returning customers. And but what happens is when people are doing advertising, they're not actually separating first time customers to returning customers. And one of the metrics that we don't see get mentioned uh, at all is first time revenue to uh, ad spend. And so what that means is that say if you're generating $10,000 a day in revenue, um, half of that, or, you know, 30% of that could be first time customers. And so, but you're seeing $7,000 in data. And so if you're spending a thousand dollars or 2000 or $3,000 per day, how well do you, how much of that spend is actually, you know, uh, converting into revenue into first time new customers. Sure. You know, retargeting is part of it. Sure. Like people, even if you do have exclusions, you know, existing customers will come through, but how many new customers are you actually generating every single day? And so what we do is manually every day, we track how many customers are first time revenue, first time customers. And then we look at how much revenue is generated, how much money did we spend that specific day and divide those numbers and look at that as a, as a metric. Oh, that's super interesting there. Now, when it comes to, you know, returning customers, do y'all have any specific ways to kind of boost LTV or, you know, kind of more specific things meant for the kind of returning customers versus those first timers? Yeah, I mean, we're really not on that side. Um, but one of the things that we do is uh, we do have retention campaigns just to kind of push people over the edge. Um, those are meant to be super high ROAS activity, low budget. There's, you know, depending on how much you're, you're spending. For the client that's spending like $20,000, $25,000 per day, they actually have a $1,000 a day budget specifically on retention campaigns because they have so many, so much high volume in, in customers. 
and that's super high ROAS activity. They're going to renew anyways for the most part, but we just want to make sure that from an education standpoint, uh, that's there. But yeah, that's that's really the the main lever that that we can pull. Most of the retention stuff happens like via email and SMS and customer support. Now, with those, I would say, I guess more retargeting as a whole. Do you typically do percents off, or is it hey bundle and save to kind of boost the AOV since you've already wasted money on the kind of first touch kind of side of things? How do y'all incorporate that out of curiosity? Yeah, so we actually do as many bundles on front end as possible because even if they're not going to buy the bundle, they're actually getting anchored on a price that's a lot higher. Uh, and then if they go to a lower price product, they will be more likely to buy that because they saw the higher price bundle. And that worked really well for one of our clients who had like a $200 bundle. Theoretically, a $200 bundle like on cold traffic to someone who's never heard of the brand is usually kind of tricky, especially for consumables. But then we noticed that the average order value is way lower than that actual uh, product, that bundle that we're selling. But the ROAS is still there and we know what the cost of goods sold are. And so, you know, we, we can make the, the numbers work. So if anyone who uh, is listening to this, like if they have bundles and they're not running them on cold traffic, that's something to consider. We do that via ads that show the bundle uh, in one ad, or we do uh, carousel ads and see if that makes a difference. But that that's uh, that's a big factor for one of the supplement brands we work with. Man, which what's been y'all's best ad format over the past shoot two quarters, three quarters? I was yeah, seeing all so, stuff for Black Friday, so I'm kind of curious what other guys are seeing, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So we do a lot of, like, our, our main ad that we're doing is primarily Square, uh, like, in GIF ads, super short. Um, I think a lot of people just ignore this format, uh, anything like 10 seconds or less. Um, for us, uh, the main reason for our creative stuff that we do as well is because we get, like, a product photo, and that's basically it. And so the client isn't doing photo shoots. There's not like massive like video production or anything like that. It's like, cool, here's the product photo and here's like some assets, run with it. And so most of our brands are like that. And then we have some exceptions where, you know, they're doing a thousand influencers and they ha we have unlimited uh, video testimonial content, you know, so that's, that's different. Um, but for, for most of our brands, we have to take a product photo and then build around it completely to get it. Uh, to perform on cold traffic. And so uh, what I've seen is most people neglect like that 10 second or less format because they think it doesn't provide enough education or doesn't, you know, position their product well enough. But um, depending on the copy and how you, you know, match that, we, we see that working all the time. Yeah, and I'm guilty of that. I always thought, you know, that's too quick of a video to kind of make something work there. And then I ended up seeing some stats for some other people with six seconds or under ads, and they're killing it. And I've been incorporating some of those, and they're killing it. So I'm like, damn, you know, those things you think, you know, sometimes yeah. aren't it really is. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, man, this has been sick. So give everybody an idea and any kind of thing cool popping up in the next couple of months with y'all or 2021. Yeah, the main thing is, you know, we we started doing Facebook ads like a very long time ago, but like I did, you know, work with local businesses and coaches and uh, evergreen webinar funnels. And uh, right now we're in, in like the direct to consumer space. And that's been the, you know, the last like couple of years. And uh, what we've seen is that there are people who just want to grow their businesses super aggressively. And it's been very interesting being around companies who are doing a million a month or more uh, and how they think, how they manage cash flow, how they look at growth how they look at day-to-day decision-making. 
And I think one of the biggest things that we do differently is actually look at what's going on inside of Facebook versus what's going on in Shopify, in whatever, wherever you're actually collecting money and look at that on a daily basis and then be able to make those decisions. Uh, most agencies I speak to, most business owners I speak to, they just look at one or the other. We spent 5,000 or we spent 1,000 and we made 3,000 or 4,000, whatever. And so is that good or bad? It's like, there's no way to really know. And um, for us, that's like the real main thing that I think that has been very interesting, especially as we're on higher scale. Um, the thing I'm most interested in, in terms of going into 2021, we'll have to see what happens with iOS 14. Um, but, you know, on, on our end, I really want to see how far I can take BCA um, and take influencer campaigns because that's, that's a big factor for us. And the other major factor is uh, testimonial uh, videos and putting video compilations. And that has uh, one of the massive like ROAS effect uh, across everything we do. Man, so 2021 is the year of content and creative for you, it sounds like, man. Yeah, for any agency or any, you know, marketer who's not focusing on creative, like, uh, they're going to feel the wrath, so. You are not wrong there. Well, what's the best people, to, uh, the best way for people to kind of get in touch with you if they have any kind of questions or, you know, want to want to have y'all, you know, work together? Yeah, so on our creative business, um, we have uh, adpros.com forward slash creative, uh, creatives, uh, plural. And um, we have a series of uh, ads that, you know, people who are running out of ideas or need new ideas, uh, ads start at 49 bucks. But if they want, if anyone wants to reach out to me, uh, very easy to uh, with uh, just, you know, search me on Facebook or Instagram, face, uh, Nahal Kazim or uh, Nahal at adpros.com. Well, Nahal, man, this was an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much for jumping on. We're definitely going to have to get you back on in the next couple of months to hear about how 2020 went for y'all. <laughs> yes, sir. Appreciate you having me on, man. All right, later, man. Later. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ed podcast. If you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and richadpoored.com slash podcast. And if you absolutely love the show, go ahead and leave a review and a comment, share with a friend. If you do, take a copy, screenshot of it, email me, Zach at FunnelDash.com. Show me you left a review and I'll give you a free copy of the Rich Ad Poor Ad book. To learn more about the book, go to richadpoorad.com. To leave a review, go to richadpoorad.com slash review. Thanks again.